Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minutes. This is the final episode of the year, not the final episode in total, but the final episode for our year of 2021. I'm sure many people have wanted this year to end. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm one of those people as well, too. There's been good parts this year, bad parts this year. It's been like the best worst year at the same time, at least for me personally. But either way, in in case you do not know, this is a podcast that I do here at least monthly, well, monthly specifically here, uh, in two different form factors. One of them is a video version of the podcast on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, where honestly there's not too much going on with the video components of it. Uh, there's just kind of like my channel photo and such, and in my opinion, a cool looking visualizer on there. Uh, and then there is the audio only version, so you can take this around and listen to it like an actual podcast. Simply look up Mario's Minute on your favorite podcasting app or platform or service and you should hopefully be able to find it. Mario's Minute is not on all of them, but it should be on most of them, at least. But either way, this is kind of just my secondary podcast where I do it once a month and I talk about whatever the hell I want to. So uh, we're kind of just jumping into this right here. And yeah, this is a Christmas episode. So for anybody who is celebrating Merry Christmas, I hope or Happy Holidays. I hope you all are enjoying the holiday season, enjoying the cold. If you have any cold available where you are at right now, uh, I am dropping this a little bit differently than I've done in past past times before, uh, just because this is going to be going out exactly on December 25th, which is a Saturday, uh, and then the upcoming videos that are going to be coming out, I'm actually going to be doing my yearly videos where I talk about all the games that I beat throughout the calendar year, as well as my final video of the year being my personal game of the year choice for 2021, so be on the lookout for those two. Now, either way on this, if you do have some downtime on the holiday, hopefully this can, you know, go into your ears or show up on your screen if you're checking out the visual of this and hopefully it can bring you some holiday cheer and enjoyment. Now, this is something that is not going to be, you know, directly related to just random stuff here. I guess it is a random topic, but it's more modding related. And I've covered this in a few videos. I've also covered it on my main podcast, Mod Chat. But I did want to talk about it on here as well, too. Kind of just my thoughts, experiences, and all that stuff with the PS4 9.00 jailbreak. Now, this was very exciting to see. Uh, not only, you know, I was really hopeful of something better, at least, uh, and it didn't even have to be 9.00. For anybody who is out of the know with the PlayStation 4, it has actually been jailbroken for several years. Uh, the first public jailbreak, at least, and jailbreak meaning that you can run, you know, unsigned arbitrary code on there, get proper read-write-execute permissions to the kernel and such, uh, the first public one that I know was for firmware 1.76, and I believe Seaturt was the gentleman who published that information. And that was like, it, it was a good starting point for sure. And I remember I even had a video that I dropped at the time saying like, hey, the PS4 is technically jailbroken. Yes, uh, it's public. Yes, but is there much you can do with it? Not really. And for how archaic it was compared to how it is now, uh, you did not have like fake package files, you didn't have installable homebrew on there, um, you didn't even have ready access to the internet browser. 
from what I understand, I think in firmware 5.05 and higher, that's when they just unlocked the internet browser. So you can just get a PS4, open up out the box, never connect to the internet, like for PSN, and you can access the internet browser. Uh, back on this, uh, DNS servers were a thing of the past as well, too. So it's like for 1.76, just by default, the internet browser was not enabled. You'd have to connect to PlayStation, into, like PlayStation Network to enable it. And then in order to get that all working, because you couldn't just connect to PSN, you can only connect to PSN on the highest firmware. At that point, you don't have a jailbreakable system. So what you had to do was you'd have to go through the user's guide and then pretty much you'd run out of like out of memory errors and such like that would happen. But you'd pretty much be clicking around on the PlayStation site and then just keep going from page to page until you hit Google. And then you have to look up PS4 Playground. And at that point, you would find one of the playgrounds that's available. And that's where you'd have to manually push payloads over to your PlayStation 4. Uh, so one of the, I think probably the big payload, and I remember it was big because you ran it and it would take like two or three minutes to run. Um, it was one that was like enable debug settings, enable FTP, and permanently enable internet browser all in one. So that was kind of the way you would jailbreak it. So at that point, once you enable the internet browser, you could just, you know, next reboot, you could just open up the browser, you could bookmark the uh, PlayStation 4 Playground, and then from there you go, you know, you can enable FTP, or you can enable the bin server, so you could then push payloads over to it, uh, but it was not nearly a stream, like, people say now it's complex, or, you know, it's, oh, you have to do a million different things, like, dude, no, 1.76, and you couldn't really do that much, like, it was big when you could take uh, when you were able to like run mod menus on games uh, and you couldn't have, you know, a backup copy of the game it had to be a game that was, you know, on disc and such. So I remember I used Azure menu for Grand Theft Auto five. Uh, there was another variant of Azure menu for, I think, Far Cry four. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. And then at one point I never tried this, but there was a way to get backup games running on there. And it was super roundabout not at all refined it was kind of like layered file system on the switch except not exactly that pretty much what would happen is like you'd have to take a game disc that you legitimately own you have to pop it in you install the game to the system as per usual like let's say you have like a grand theft auto 5 disc and then you would have to obtain a, and there was no way to like just really do it yourself properly, so it was just you had to go out and pirate it at that point. But let's say like Minecraft, for example, I think that was a game that worked on there. That's just like an example game. You'd have to download a already extracted and decrypted version of Minecraft. Then you would have to FTP into the PS4, go to the Grand Theft Auto uh, directory, delete the Grand Theft Auto files, at least like most of them. And then you would slip in the game that you wanted to play. So at that point, once it was done transferring, you would then put in your Grand Theft Auto disc. It would show up on the cross-media bar. You'd boot it up. But instead of Grand Theft Auto, you'd get another game. So game compatibility wasn't really the best. There was even issues you'd run into. Like, games would not save. Games would crash at certain... Like, it was, it was very archaic and very much a hacked together method um, we didn't have like the current method which is you know like dumping the game and then recompiling it as a fake package file we didn't have that until 4.04 and i think like three point something had something as well too but not all too much so point is we've had several different jailbreaks and for a while like the latest and most stable 
version of the jailbreak was like 5.05 firmware, which is several years out of date. I want to say that's at least, that is at least three or four years out of date. I don't have the exact date in mind, but you had to pick up a PS4 that was on that really old firmware. And by day, it was getting harder and harder to find those as well, too. So it was nice when we got other jailbreaks that came out. And really, like, the way you load it is, again, typically you'd load up a DNS server or a web browser. You'd go to the exploit page, and then you would load up the payload, which it would use a... The full chain was really a WebKit exploit tied together with a kernel exploit, because you would use the WebKit to then gain entry into the kernel, and then with that, you would then push a payload, and that's when you'd have, you know, your homebrew enabler, or if you wanted FTP access, or if you wanted to run a mod menu for a game, or run the dumper program, so you can, or dumper payload, so you can dump any of your applications on the system. Uh, you could do all that stuff, all that fun stuff. So, we didn't really get anything until 5.05, which kind of stuck on that for a while, until the 6.72 jailbreak came out. And that was pretty unstable, and the stability did get better, but it was like to the point where it was having like kernel panics and stuff, where your your system would just force shut down. Then you'd have to turn it on, then it would have to check the integrity of the internal drive to make sure nothing was damaged, then it would boot up properly into the actual you know OS itself. But I used that, and it, it worked well enough on my system, and it could vary console to console. But I hadn't really messed with a PS4, like a jailbroken PS4, in about a year. Because we've had two other public jailbreaks since then. We've had 7.02 and 7.55, and those two were so incredibly unstable for me. Uh, I gathered that, from what I know, the kernel exploit was more stable but the WebKit exploit itself was much, much, much worse in terms of stability. And that is a problem because, I mean, that's your entry point right there. So it's one of those things, it's kind of like once it got up and running, it was fine. But to get to that entry point, it really wasn't all that great. And there were like a few menus I tried where some of them worked and some of them didn't. But overall, I just had an incredibly low success rate. And it was just to the point where I was like, I don't even feel comfortable using this on my PS4. I'm not enjoying trying this on my PS4, wasting all this time doing this. Uh, like props to the developers, props to the reverse engineers, props to everyone who's published the work publicly. Um, but I'm just going to kind of keep my PS4 collecting dust, because for me, I don't really prefer this. So we ended up getting this 9.00 jailbreak, and this is really cool because it's even a bit of a return to form. I'm sure some people can detect kind of like my smile on this as well, where I missed out on this completely on the PlayStation 3, thankfully, but I know this is nostalgic for some old heads here. At one point in the PS3's life cycle, like when custom firmware was a thing, and there was a whole big thing around it as well, too. Like, now at this point, you install custom firmware on a PS3, and if your PS3 has custom firmware, you turn on the system, and it's there at cold boot. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's it. But for a while, you'd have to get a USB dongle. And I know 
MVG has a fantastic video talking about, you know, when the PS3 got hacked, and he talks about how this dongle worked and everything, all the trickery behind it. But in short, uh, you could either create your own using like a kind of like a USB debugging device, or you could purchase a dongle. And these things were expensive as well, too. I, I think they could be as little as 50, 60 bucks, as much as like 120, 150 dollars. Because at the time, it was like, hey, this is the latest and greatest thing, and you need this specialized hardware to do this. So, in short, you'd have to use that USB drive in conjunction with booting up your PS3 a certain way to boot up custom firmware on the system. And this is kind of a return to form there. Now, don't worry, it's nothing expensive, but this utilizes a WebKit exploit tied together with a kernel exploit. And the, the cool thing is, it is very stable. But it's using the USB drive. The reason why I'm talking about that is because it actually utilizes a XFAT driver bug that the PlayStation 4 is vulnerable to. So with that, there is a image file that has a specially crafted... It, it's been corrupted in a certain way, where it's a specially crafted image file that has a properly corrupted XFAT file system on there. And you just take that image file and you flash it to any USB device that you have. It's only like a 4 megabyte something file, so it doesn't even take that much space. You can... I've told people you need at least an 8 megabyte USB drive. Uh, that that was not me saying anything mistakenly. 8 megabytes. Like, you cannot even find a drive that small, brand new at this point. I was searching around for them. I, I think if I was to go out and buy one, I think the smallest USB drive I can actually purchase is like 64 megabytes. But the point is, you can really just get the cheapest USB drive that you can find, either online or laying around or at a local store. You flash it with this image file, and then you have to go through the process of you still have to fire up your PS4, go to the internet browser, go to an exploit page, and then you have to load up whatever payload you want for your jailbreak. And whenever you load up that payload, at a specific time, you have to plug in this corrupted USB drive it's then going to give you an error on the PS4 saying that the file system is unsupported. You then unplug that USB drive, you hit OK to continue, and at that point, the exploit has finished, your system can be jailbroken if you're loading like Mira or Hin, something along those lines, but really for any payload loading, you are going to need that. So that is the kind of return to form I was talking about and the difference on there. But it is, it, it's really nice so far. And what I like about this as well, too, is that there's so many available exploitable systems out there. So not only it's easier to get your hands on an exploitable PlayStation 4 at this exact time, but on top of that as well, um, it, I can recommend this jailbreak if you're interested in that. Uh, you still can't get online or anything. I think that's better. I'm kind of old school with that where I'm like, keep your modded systems offline. Don't mess with online. Have two systems, one stock for online play, one offline for all your modded fun times and do whatever the hell you want to. So that's kind of how that goes. But like I said, this can actually be like in terms of usability, in terms of stability, it's actually something that is more well recommended. And really the only contingency you have on there is you just need the USB drive, which I've seen some people complain about. And it's like, look, just just get a damn USB drive. Okay, just go out. I, the cheapest flash drive I found on Amazon US, for example, I can get shipped for three dollars. Like, it's, it's not that much unplugging plug. I would rather plug in and unplug a USB drive to get this working as opposed to sitting there and rebooting my system 20 or 30 times and risking breaking my internal storage on there from all those force crashes. 
So there's been that. Now, like I said, it's really easy to get a hold of one right now because the firmware update is so new. But on top of that, we are over a year into the life cycle of the PlayStation 5. The reason why I say that's important is because, well, kind of little side note here, PS5 has technically been jailbroken. There's nothing publicly about that, but in private it has been jailbroken. Since there's nothing all too public about it, I'm not going to really delve into that all too much. But the reason why I'm bringing up the PS5 is because a lot of people have let their PS4s just collect dust. Um, they've either gotten rid of their PS4s, they're not using their PS4 anymore, or, you know, they got a PS5, there's no reason to use the PS4. So there's a lot of people, like, I have several people personally in my life who I've told them, like, yo, your PS4 can be jailbroken right now. Um, like, one of my best friends, I told him that because he just upgraded to a PS5. My girlfriend updated to a PS5 as well, too, because I got that for her as a present, and I told her, like, Hey, you haven't turned on your system in a few weeks, right? If you ever want to jailbreak your PS4, it's jailbreakable. Just don't take it onto PSN. So really, if you haven't hit PSN with your PS4 in December of 2021, you're good at that point. Uh, but even so, you can go out, you can get a brand new sealed system, not like a resealed system, not like one that's been opened and played with and closed. I'm talking like a brand new sealed system you can get, it's going to be exploitable. Many used consoles out there, I'm sure, will be exploitable as well, too. Uh, the only thing is, and I actually had a discussion about this with one of my friends here, um, you just have to make sure it's been traded in, like, before December, so that might be a little bit hard, especially with the holidays, people picking up any type of system, just selling for whatever. Prices on all hardware still going up. PS4 prices are going up, you know, like, all of that. Um, so that's kind of how that's been. But the thing I was getting into with a friend was we were talking about console bans. Like, we were kind of having a discussion about this. And I had mentioned, like, hey, like, you need to, when you take your system over to a shop, uh, they do connect it. And, like, when you trade it in or something, uh, they connect it to Xbox Live, whatever it is. Because I was talking about that in terms of, like, you know, back in the day, there were some people who were... I think I was mentioning like the 2009 ban wave for the Xbox 360 to my friend. And I was saying that around that time, there was a lot of people who were trading in their banned 360s that had flash disk drives to get, you know, unbanned ones, like fresh new ones. And he just freaked out. He's like, wait, is that why they do that at shops? And I was like, what, what do you mean? And he asked me, like, he said, yeah, I've gone to, like, game shops before, and I see, like, when people are selling their consoles, they're, like, sitting there connecting them to Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. And I'm just like, are you seriously, like, why are you wasting your time with that? And I told him, I was like, yeah, they have to do that. They update them to the latest firmware, and they connect them because they don't want to purchase a banned system. Because have you ever really, have you noticed that, like, you never really hear about people buying banned used consoles from game shops because those game shops should, if, if they are not, they should be taking in those systems to purchase. And part of the diagnostics, like you fire up the system, you make sure the hard drive is working, you pop in a game, you make sure the controller works, and you should also connect it to the live service or the PlayStation Network service, whatever it is, to make sure the console is not banned and it connects successfully. So my friend just, he never made that connection. So that's why a lot of game shops do that. And that's why I say, if you're going to purchase, you know, from a game shop, you might want to find a system that they haven't that they purchased before December 2021. Uh, but either way, for me, it, I'm running the jailbreak here on just a original PlayStation 4. It's worked fine for me. It's been great. I think I've gotten, so far, two kernel panics. 
Uh, I haven't tried the fully, like, more stabilized updated one but overall i've gotten maybe a couple other airs as well too and that's been it but everything else has been really successful and i've been pretty damn happy with it it's nice to be able to use a jailbroken playstation 4 yet again so that's great now not in terms of jailbroken systems here actually quite the opposite even though there is dev mode on here but i finally got a ninth generation xbox and it surprised me I ended up getting the Xbox Series S. Now, the reason why I ended up getting this, I was not expecting to get an S so soon. My thing was I wanted to get, eventually, it wasn't even really on my radar. I didn't really want to get a Series X from the get-go because the Xbox ecosystem really stopped interesting me. Like, I did not like the Xbox One that much, and it just kind of soured me on the rest of the stuff, the series, the One S, the One X. So I wasn't really that interested in it. I was more interested in getting a PS5. Well, I have a PS5 now, and I was thinking, you know, I'm buying into the hype a little bit for Halo Infinite. I do want to pick up a Xbox because I actually I played I finally played Halo Infinite on my One X, and I very much enjoyed it. So I was out shopping with a friend. This is several weeks ago, and we went to a Amazon retail shop um, or resale shop, excuse me. Now there's a couple shops that are kind of like this. Um, some of them, they will buy returns and untested items from Amazon by the pallet, and then they will charge you, the, like, it's first come, first serve, completely random, and they will charge, like, the store will charge you by the item or even by the weight. So it could be, and typically these places are cheap. So it could be if it's, like, one of those per-item stores, it might be $5 per item. So that means, uh, let's say you find a copy of Far Cry 6, it's five bucks. Uh, let's say you find um, a mechanical keyboard, it's five bucks. You find a printer, it's five bucks. Uh, you find a, a pack of four flash drives, five dollars. Not kidding about this. Uh, my friend heard this story. Uh, there was somebody who found a box, like a Samsung box, and inside of that box was like five of the new Razer phone. Now, they didn't count the five items as individuals. And this is just the policy of the store. They counted the entire box as one individual package. So this dude ended up getting five brand new phones for I think this place was charging $10 per item. And then as you get throughout the week, as the pallets are getting lower and lower, they will do more discounts. So they might be like two items for 10 bucks five items for 10 bucks by the end they're charging like 10 items for ten dollars something like that so they're just trying to clear it out at that point now there's the other type of shop which i've never been to i went there the first time with a friend where it's just they will get it's more organized they'll get a whole ton of items it's not a free-for-all but they will individually price everything so for example my friend ended up getting uh, a really nice uh what was it? A really nice, not mechanical, electric toothbrush. That's it. Um, he got several of them actually for his family members and such. And these were like typically $67 toothbrushes. They were selling them for 20 bucks. Now they might not look the best. They might be a little bit dented like the boxes. The, the products are brand new, but the boxes might be cut. They might be dented. They just don't look ready. So 
imagine my surprise when I found a Xbox Series S there. They had exactly one in stock, and the, the box looked awful. Like, it was ripped up, it had stickers on it, but the item itself was brand new. And it wasn't like a shady shop either. They actually have a warranty on there. So if I took this Xbox home, turn it on, it didn't work, I could bring it right back and get an exchange or my money back. Um, so it was like that. Now, we end up going there, and I saw this. I was shocked that they had one in stock to begin with, and they still had one. And the policy of this store is that you could you could hold an item there. You cannot do it over the phone. You have to be there in store. You have to present the item to them and tell them, I want to hold this item, and they can hold it for up to two hours. So that's what I did. I was thinking on it, and I said, I would like to hold this Xbox Series S for two hours. And I think we went around, we shopped for about an hour, and I said, damn it, I wasn't expecting this, but I'm going to do it. So I end up buying the Xbox Series S, I end up buying a newer Series S controller, and the reason why I also got it was because I was planning to get the Xbox Series S after the X, but the X has been nearly impossible to find. At this point, it's even harder to find those than PlayStation 5s at MSRP. I've tried a few times, I have no luck getting a Series X. But I was thinking, you know, I want to play it for Halo Infinite. I want to get one for Halo Infinite. I would like to play Halo Infinite. I don't really want to play it on my PC. I want to play it on a console. And if I could play it on something better than a 1X, why the hell not? Um, I also figured I'm going to eventually get a Series X down the road. And with the way the market is right now, the Series S is $300. It's not going to get discounted. It's not going to be going on sale anytime soon. So I ended up saving 20 bucks on it. It was $280 instead of $300. And I said, you know what? The box doesn't look great, but for a brand new system, $280. If I don't buy it now, I'm going to buy it later. I might as well get it now because it's available here for $20 off. They're not going to be discounting this for a long time. So I ended up getting it. Now, my friend was super impressed at how small the system was because I told him this is the smallest Xbox that has been released and he was shocked at it uh, it's a hefty little thing as well too it looks real cool I've been surprised with it now I will say I don't like the controller that's actually one thing I, I consistently don't like with the Xbox lineup is that I feel like their controllers have been kind of going downhill in terms of design I personally don't like the redesign of the Xbox one controller I still prefer the 360 controller but on top of that, even the quality has been dropping as well, too, on these controllers. Like, I don't think Xbox One controllers were super great to begin with. And then they've just been getting kind of worse. Like, the, the Elite controller. My friend was even saying, he's like, you know, the quality control on those things is so bad. And they go out on you after like a year and a half. But damn it, I love them. They're so great. I've been through like three of them. I know several people, they've been through multiple Xbox One controllers. But the PlayStation controllers have been fine for the most part. Um, this, if I compare like a, a standard, like an older Xbox One controller, which I have like an Xbox One Cloud White controller that I picked up in 2015, 2016. It is my favorite controller to use on the Xbox One. And I use it on my Xbox series. It feels great. I like the texturing on it, the gripping. The new Series S controllers... They ended up texturing everything. They ended up texturing, like, the triggers and the side bumpers in, like, a weird way. And overall, it just it feels like a cheaper toy. Like, you could just feel 
the quality is not quite there anymore. And that was disappointing to me. So I put that controller back in the box after a few minutes. I'm like, I don't want to mess with this thing. The one thing I do like about it is that it has a share button. So you don't just have to double tap the guide button. You can just hit the share button. And from there, you can instantly take a photo or, you know, record a video. So I do like that addition, which unfortunately my cloud white controller does not have. But overall, I've actually very much enjoyed the Series S, more so than I expected. Uh, the The system boots up real fast, boots up within a few seconds. Uh, the interface is faster as well, too, than the Xbox One. Now, I'm a little bit spoiled. I have a Xbox One X that has an SSD in there. And the user interface with an SSD is real nice. It doesn't make much of a difference when you're playing games, but anything OS-related is faster. Um... So it was a little bit of a speed boost there. I do like the theming on there where you could actually select themes. So I have the original Xbox theme on there. And one thing that was disappointing, and I just, my girlfriend, she she doesn't do the Xbox thing. She's more into PlayStation. And I totally understand that. And I told her, I'm like, you know what? You know, I don't really like Xbox One and Xbox Series that much either. But after going back and forth, I, I'm really disappointed to say when it comes to media apps, so Spotify, YouTube, Netflix, Plex, any of those media apps, they just they work better on the Xbox. Just point blank. We have less, at least I do, I have less issues with them overall on the Xbox series as opposed to the PlayStation 4 or even the PlayStation 5. Even just like the fluidity and how smooth they are is much nicer on the Xbox Series S than the PlayStation 5. So that was really disappointing on Sony's part right there. And the other thing too is that my friend and I, we talked about this. We are both used to, and I, I think all of us, even like my girlfriend as well too, m mentioning her, we're all used to the PlayStation 5 user interface now, but none of us particularly like it. Like, the PlayStation 4 user interface was great. But the PlayStation 5 user interface, you can get used to it, but it feels like they did a major overhaul just for the sake of doing a major overhaul, which I have faulted Xbox for. However, I will say that Xbox's user interface has been consistent. It's been the same for at least a few years now on the Xbox One, and the Xbox Series is the exact same thing. And because of that... It's also kind of an unfortunate thing for the PlayStation 5 as well, too, where I'm like, you know, I'm starting to enjoy the Xbox's interface more than the PlayStation 5's. And I know it's the PS5 itself, because when I went back to the PS4 because of this jailbreak, it just, everything just clicked. Everything felt right. Everything was real nice on there. And I'm like, damn it. It's just that Sony did, in my opinion, they took a few steps back on the PlayStation 5's user interface just for the sake of changing everything, which is really frustrating. Now, will I be saying the same thing about Xbox in a year or two? I don't know. And I simply say that because since the 360, Xbox cannot keep a user interface consistent. On the 360, we went through so many user interfaces. On the Xbox One, we went through so many user interfaces. And I still think we're going to have the same issue on the Xbox series. The PlayStation 5, however, if you don't like it now, you better get used to it. Because that user interface is never going to be changing. <laughs> Even one thing I told my friend about this, I was like, you realize, because we were talking about themes... And we both agreed that it's disappointing that the PS5 doesn't even have themes on it. 
And I said, yeah, you realize at this point that the Switch has more themes than the PlayStation 5. And he just lit up. He's like, wait, what? Are you serious? The Switch just got themes? I'm like, no, but it has black theme and white theme. And he just looked so disappointed. And I busted out laughing. I'm like, I got you real good, but I really didn't at the same time because that's the truth. Like, the the Switch has a black theme and a white theme. The PS5 doesn't have any themes to it. (laughs) And I'm sure it will, but it doesn't have anything yet at this point. So there's been that. Now, I did, like I said, I got the Xbox Series S because I wanted to play Halo Infinite on there. And surprisingly, I haven't finished the campaign on there yet. I I just haven't been playing a whole ton lately. But it's been better than I expected. The game runs smooth. It looks real nice. Uh, I love the new AI character. She is, how do I say, she is just so clueless and happy to help in an adorable way. Like, I love the new AI character in there. It's hilarious. Um, But it's very much enjoyable so far. I wasn't sure how I would feel about the open world concept of it, but it's even been kind of nice to just, at times, kind of just lay back, turn my brain off, like, to about, you know, 20% capacity, and just go and kind of do things all around side missions and stuff, and just mess around. So I think that's more been what I've been doing. I've just more been messing around in Halo Infinite, which I really haven't done in the previous Halo games, because they've all been, you know, level, objective, 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 level, which is nothing wrong with that, but that's just how the formula was. So I know the game itself, the main storyline, is quite short, but I've been taking my time with it on purpose because, you know, here I've wanted to take my time on it. But so far, I've been happy with it. Uh, I've been playing it on, as I said, the Series S, and I've been enjoying it on there. Uh, I am playing in performance mode, I so it's playing at 60 frames per second, and I've been impressed at the level of settings that are available on the xbox uh not only just the xbox series s but even the xbox one x i was seeing that you can change the field of view there's a whole ton of accessibility accessibility options there's a whole ton right there available so i've been pretty happy with it so far i know that's kind of like a very top level overview of it because i've mostly just kind of been enjoying the gameplay and i really haven't gotten super into the um the storyline as of yet i'm still pretty early on in there which is kind of surprising for me um but maybe that's just kind of me getting older as well too maybe i've been a little bit soured by halo infinite just with all the negative news all the delays all things we're seeing and technically i mean i'm glad it's out there but technically the game is not complete uh they have not dropped forge mode they have not dropped campaign co-op uh the game is not going to be at a quote-unquote complete level until maybe June of next year because that's when and and they're still going to continuously update it but the reason why I say that is because that's when they're going to get all the staples in right now we have multiplayer which is still getting stuff added to it and still getting balanced and tweaked we have the campaign but we do not have forge mode yet and we do not have co-op for the campaign unfortunately so that's how all that's been now there's another system here I end up. I did not pick it up, but it's worth saying. I did want to say I did pre-order this. It is the Analog Pocket. Now, when this did go up for pre-order initially, like a year and a half ago, I want to say, I decided to not get it. I just didn't have any interest in it for whatever reason. I didn't have anything against it. I didn't have any interest in it. But for some reason, the past few months, I've been kind of interested in it. And I said, you know, when it goes up for pre-order, I think I'm going to get one. 
And sure enough, it did. And sure enough, reviews have also rolled out, and the reviews look fantastic on this thing. And one detail that I didn't even realize, for anyone who doesn't know what the Analog Pocket is, um, Analog is a company where they make... I don't mean this in a demeaning way. They make the best clone consoles that you can pick up. Now, I think the original... They were known for... Originally, they made a Nintendo, an original Nintendo Entertainment System, with HDMI out, modernized, and everything. Now, this was using real Nintendo hardware. So, it wasn't like, you know, a a redone version of it. It was modified, technically. That is the only system they've made that has used original hardware. Since then, they've made a Sega Genesis. They've made a Super Nintendo. Uh, Now, they are going with the Pocket here. And these all use FPGA technology, which... For lack of a better term, it is hardware emulation, where let's say I fire up my PlayStation 3, and I can play PS3 games on it natively, but let's say I take a PS1 game, and I pop it in there, and I play it. That is running on software emulation. Very good software emulation, mind you, but software emulation. The difference on here with FPGA and hardware emulation is that the console itself is rebuilt and kind of cloned onto that hardware. And it is built on that hardware itself and for that hardware itself. So it's like if the original PlayStation, in this case here, we're saying the original PlayStation was built in like 2021 on that FPGA technology. So with the Pocket, this is what's going on here. This thing, it's FPGA, but it can run Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, Game Boy Advance games with adapters. I think it can run, they're not all out yet, but I think it will be able to run TurboGrafx, Atari Lynx, Game Gear. It's able to run all that. Some of it it can run now, some of it is going to be coming. But one detail I forgot about until recently is that there is technically a second FPGA core in there, which means that they are still going to actively do development on this and add more cores because that's essentially what it becomes as opposed to an emulator it is a core and that core is a system rebuilt for that specific fpga hardware so at that point then that second core is going to be able to run even more systems as well too like they'll be able to then put you know nintendo super nintendo sega genesis uh, Sega CD, I'm sure, on there. Well, you'll need to find a way to play them on there. But mind you, all that is going to be able to be run on that. So I'm looking forward to this. Now, I did just get my email here recently, and it looks like I'm not going to get my hands on it for about a year. I am in quarter four, 2022, which is fine. This is very much a thing where I pre-order it and I forget about it. Uh, kind of like ordering anything from China whenever I order from eBay or AliExpress or even like the Steam Deck, for example. But I certainly don't mind that. Uh, The reason why I wanted to bring this up is because I have not been able to pre-order a system this easily. It was this unrealistically easy in 2021. What I did was I went to the site, went to the shop page, and I think it was like, let's say it was like noon when it unlocked, right? As soon as noon came around, the page automatically refreshed, the store was open. I was able to add the pocket to cart. I added a case, I added a screen protector, and I added the dock so I can hook it up to my, you know, to a monitor and such, which that's cool as well too. You'll be able to play these games 
on uh, FPGA with the original cartridges and such, you'll be able to display them on any HDMI screen. So that's cool. So I did all of that. I went I went through all that process, and I went to cart, and then it said, you have to wait a little bit. So I think it gave me a five-minute wait time. And I sat there, I waited about five minutes. Then it took me to the checkout process. And I entered all my information, and then it failed to charge. Because I accidentally put in, I, I flubbed the information, the payment information, my fault. So I corrected it, I hit it again. Waited about a minute, I was able to purchase. And it, it all just worked. The site was fine, it was seamless, it just worked. And that's what I've wanted with these new systems, with the Xbox Series X, with the PlayStation 5. I've been wanting an experience like this, and unfortunately, I have not been able to get that. It is a little bit ridiculous. Even what's... I've, I've ranted to coworkers about this. I said, even what Steam, what Valve and Steam are doing with the Steam Deck, I would be perfectly acceptable if... Like, I, I'd be perfectly fine if Sony and Microsoft end up doing what they did, which... Their thing is, first come, first serve, open pre-order. So they tell you, hey, if you pre-order right now, this is where you're going to be. But the point is, like with the Steam Deck, you can go right now, you can pre-order one, and yeah, you might not get it for a year and a half. But you can go in there, you can put your $5 down, and you can put in your pre-order, and you're guaranteed at that point. And it's frustrating. The reason why I say that is because a coworker and I, we both agreed. It's like, look, even let's say when the PS5 was available to pre-order, if they said something like, hey, open pre-order, first come, first serve, but if you are pre-ordering right now, you will not be able to get a PS5 uh, for nine months. I would have been perfectly fine with that because I would have had my name down on a piece of hardware. By the time it was available, I would have gotten it. And I think even that is about as long as it would have taken me to get a PlayStation 5. Because the PS5 came out November 2020. I didn't get my PS5 until July 2021. So it was, okay, eight months, about that. But the point is, even if that was the process as well too, I would have happily waited. Like the Steam Deck, happily waiting for that. Analog, sure, waiting for the Pocket as well too. It's just frustrating because, that, in my opinion, that's how it should be. And it's just like, look, we can't we can't fulfill your order for another 6, 9, 12, 15 months. It's like, that's fine. I really don't care because we're over these, these, these new consoles. They've now been out for 13 months. So even if somebody from launch was told, hey, you can't get your system for nine months, but they still went through that pre-order, they would have had their system several months ago. That's why this is frustrating to me. But either way, I've been happy with the way Analog handled their pre-order. Uh, now, let me even check real quick. Analog Pocket. I just want to see if they're still open for pre-order right now. Here it is. Pre-order. Uh, yeah, you can even do it right now. So as I'm talking, I can go here. Uh, it looks like the other systems, they're going to do Neo Geo Pocket Color. That's the only other one. So uh, right now you can do Game Gear, but the upcoming ones are Neo Geo Pocket Color, Atari Lynx, and TurboGrafx-16. And I'm sure by the time this thing is jailbroken, there's going to be other ports, uh, other cores that are going to be ported to this. But yeah, if you want to right now, like as you're listening to this, you can just go to their site, you can pre-order this, and you might not get the system for about a year and a half, but you can do it effortlessly. That's how it needs to be, in my opinion. <laughs>
So this has been a very gaming-centric episode here. And I guess with that as well, too, one of the last things I'll bring up is uh, what games I'm currently playing. So I'm still doing my Ring Fit thing. I, I kind of got off track a bit for, uh, from it just because life got kind of busy, but got back onto it. So I've been doing Ring Fit still. Uh, I've been playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on Switch. Is it a, a great port remaster? No. But is it enjoyable? Yeah, because San Andreas is still a good game. It's disappointing that the, the version on there, the port, like what happened with the remaster, but I'm still finding enjoyment with it. As I said, I've been playing some Halo Infinite, uh, and then I also went back and I played Donut County. I very much enjoy that game. I've played it several times, and, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll share something about it in my uh, Game of the Year video. I'll just wait for that. So those have kind of been the games that I've been playing. Those are the ones at least off the top of my head there because there hasn't been all too much else. And honestly, I've been I've been kind of busy this month just with uh, some offline things. So I haven't been able to get in as much game time as I would like to, but the times that I am able to play something, I've been able to do that. I guess at one point, here we go, actually, I'm thinking this. No, there's two other games. My girlfriend and I, we've been playing Super Mario, like, no, Mario Party Superstars, that's it. That's actually been really fun. Uh, it's worked out really well. The online system on there has been great for the most part. And only one night we played this. We paid, We played Back for Blood because I love Left 4 Dead. She likes Left 4 Dead quite a bit. And I was like, oh, this is like looking at the reviews. This is a lot like Left 4 Dead, but maybe not as good. Maybe a little more confusing with uh, the the cards and such. <sighs> the one night I played it, that game partially ruined my night. I'm going to be honest. Like that game was just, I didn't like the map design. I didn't like, we were playing on PS5. I didn't like the implementation with like the adaptive triggers on there it just did not feel right compared to other games so i think when i go to play that i'm going to disable that feature on there um even like i said just the difficulty really spikes up on there as well too the card system going to the training camp didn't really like that all too much but i was talking with one of my friends about it and just recently i guess there was a new update that just rolled out and he told me he said dude try out back for blood again Apparently, everything has been rebalanced. He said if you play on recruit mode, that feels more like Left 4 Dead. And the bots are shit, but they're less shit at this point. And by that, I mean, I mean, people will, like, rag about the bots and stuff. But, like, on Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, the bots, like, actually did some work. When we were playing, when it was just her and I, we had two other bots in our match. And these two other bots consistently were doing nothing. I think they were healing us, so that was nice. But they consistently, every single time when the kill count would come up, they got zero kills. These bots were literally killing nothing. So I hope that's been tweaked as well, too. So yeah, I guess those are the games I can think of that I've been playing, but that's about it for this. I do know that there's been other times I've shared uh, game shop stories and such, and honestly, I just didn't have one on hand here, so I'm not going to be doing that here. But I am going to be doing my outro, so, you know, kind of keeping this one a little bit shorter, well under an hour here for the holiday season. Hopefully, you all can get back to your holiday. Hopefully, you all can enjoy yourselves, and if this provided some level of escapism, I hope it was, I hope it was a good escapism here.
Now for the outro here, typically I do pick a keyword of some kind. And if you use that keyword or key phrase in a comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you've made it to the end of this episode. So let me see, let me see. How about fox? I have a fox on my desk here. If you use the word fox in your comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you've made it to the end of this episode. Do you like foxes? Do you hate foxes? Do you think foxes are cute? Have you played Star Fox? Do you not like Star Fox? What's your favorite Star Fox game? Let me know. Just use the word fox in your comment on the YouTube upload, and I'll know that you've made it to the end. Anyways, I mean, for the last bit here, again, I'm not sure what holiday anybody's going to be celebrating, if they are celebrating something, but I hope it brings you some level of enjoyment. I hope you all have an awesome, happy, safe holiday. Uh, New Year's is going to be coming around as well, too. So I hope to hang out with you all next year as well. And I think I might not be there at the beginning. I actually really haven't done this before, but I think I might be doing a little bit of a break here in January coming up. I've been thinking of doing that for a bit. Um, and then just, you know, kind of because of some circumstances and such, um, I think it'd be good. So kind of just get recharged and all that. So I might not be there right at the beginning of January, but we'll see what happens. So it's all good. I think it's all good there. But either way, I mean, I hope anybody who's listening now will be able to continue to listen to Tune In next year because that means you'll still be around, and that'll be good as well too. I'm hoping everyone has an awesome, happy, safe new year. And, you know, if 2021's been a bad year, let's just go ahead and finish this thing out. And let's hope 2022 is going to be a better year. We'll see. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. Until next time. Until next year, I guess. See you then.